Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What a week. What a week it's been. Here we are on this third Sunday of Advent. Wondering together, asking together, what do we do now? What do we do now? We've been moving right along, getting ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus, celebrating Advent together. Going to family parties and work parties, putting up decorations, wrapping presents. It is the third Sunday of Advent. If you didn't notice as Emily was lighting the candles, it's a little bit different this morning. Blue candle, blue candle, pink candle. This third Sunday of Advent, this pink Sunday of Advent, is traditionally called Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete is the Latin word meaning rejoice. We hear on this day Paul's words from prison. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says. Again I say to you, rejoice. This is the Sunday of rejoicing. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Do you? Newtown, Connecticut. Portland, Oregon. Our Advent celebrations are interrupted. Our preparations for the coming of Emmanuel are interrupted. 30 candles. 30 candles on our altar this morning. 30 names read by Linnell at the beginning of our service. I don't feel like rejoicing. My Advent is interrupted. And the gospel this morning fits that interruption, I think. At least for me. It's more John the Baptist. I told you last week that I didn't want John anywhere near my Christmas celebrations. And here he comes again. Interrupting everything. John the Advent Grinch. John the Ebenezer Scrooge of Advent. Bah humbug! Cries John in the wilderness. If I had to listen to a sermon, I'd rather listen to a sermon by Jesus than one by John on any day. Think about it. People come and they ask Jesus questions and he does what any good preacher would do. He tells a story. The parable of the prodigal son. The parable of the talents. The parable of the good Samaritan. He's always telling these stories. He seems, Jesus does, To react with his crowd to the crowds that come to him most often with kindness and with generosity and with compassion. Not always, but most often. In my mind, I imagine him as a preacher with a gentle voice, with a kind voice. Sure, from time to time, exhorting his congregation, if you will. But with kindness. And then there's John. 
And then there's John. John is about as un-Jesus-like a preacher as you could think of, to coin a phrase. I always imagine John as one of those preachers who turns red in the face and you can see the spit coming out of his mouth as the words fly out to the people sitting in front of him. Angry TV preachers and radio preachers, right? They make me think of John the Baptist. Think about it. These people, these great crowds of people, they travel out from Jerusalem. They have walked, perhaps, for hours to go and hear this preacher in the wilderness. And they're standing there, they're waiting with anticipation. John steps up. You brood of vipers, you lying snakes! You terrible people, who told you how bad you are? Who told you what a lying, rotten cheat you are? It's a good thing you got here today. So I can tell you that. Something tells me if I were to start regularly preaching like John the Baptist, not many of you would come back Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Usually, as this rejoicing Sunday rolls around, I don't want to have anything to do with John. Don't want him anywhere near this Sunday of rejoicing. But today, this week, today I want to hear John yell. Today I want to yell with John. I think about the sorts of people that John often yelled at, at religious leaders, at politicians, at hypocrites, at people who say one thing and do another, and I want to yell right along with him. I want to yell at the TV preachers who talk about how God has a plan and it's all going to be okay. I want to yell at the people who are using these tragedies to get five more minutes of FaceTime on the news. I want to yell at the people who are using the deaths of these small children to sell newspapers and to raise TV ratings. I want to yell at the politicians and the hacks of both sides who are trying to turn this grief, this national grief, into political capital. I want to yell. I don't want to rejoice today. I want to stand beside John the Baptist and yell at the vipers and the snakes and the liars. Just stop for a moment before I go any further. Because friends, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know how you're doing with all of this. I don't know where your heart is, but I want you to know this. And if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Wherever you're at, it's okay. If you are heartbroken... It's okay. If you are angry, it's okay. If you want to curl up in a ball and pretend like nothing happened, it's okay. If you, all, if you feel all of those things and more at different times, that's okay too. 
We all process these sorts of tragedies in different ways, and that's okay. We do what we have to do, quite frankly. When our hearts are this heavy with grief, we do what we have to do the way we have to do it. And if you need help with your grief, I'm here for you at any time. You are not alone. But sometimes we just need a good yell. And I appreciate John the Baptist for that today. But then after I've had a good yell, I come back to the gospel. Because that's what we do. You and I. Again and again we come back to the gospel. When we need strength and we can't do it on our own, we come back to the gospel. I come back to the gospel and I look at this crowd that John has just yelled at. And after they listen to John yell, they don't go away. Instead, they come back to John and they ask him one question. What next? John, what do we do now? They ask. I don't know where you are, but I think that's the question on a lot of our lips. What is next? What do we do now? Now, I said that John is the Scrooge of our Advent. And what do you think of when you think of Scrooge? Cheap, miser, uncaring, mean, heartless, cruel. Right? These are the things we think of when we think of Scrooge, of the Grinch. But if that's what we think of Scrooge, we're missing the point of Dickens' Christmas Carol. The point is what happens at the end. Who Scrooge becomes? Scrooge becomes the guy who buys the biggest Christmas goose in the store to give it to a family who couldn't afford any. Scrooge becomes the guy who rejoices with Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim and celebrates with them. Scrooge becomes the man who has a kind word for everyone. Scrooge becomes the man who is renowned. Renowned for his kindness, his generosity. And well, as the crowds come back to John, it, it seems like John is transformed. He's a Scrooge. John seems to be, well, at least for the minute, anyway, done yelling. And he starts handing out these fantastic answers to the question of the crowds. When the crowds say, John, John, what should we do now? He says to them these really complex and hard to do things like, be kind to one another. Don't steal from each other. Share what you have whenever you can. Make sure that everyone has enough. Don't cheat one another. This is not a big, thick book on how to be happy. This isn't complex stuff about how to change the world. Be kind to one another. It's the most basic advice out there. Don't be a jerk! says John. Be a Scrooge. Not the one at the beginning, 
Don't at the end be a Scrooge. You see, when terrible things happen, when unthinkable tragedies happen, when you and I, when we're weighed down with grief, when our hearts are broken, we need exactly the advice that John gives to us this morning. Because when these things happen, we get so wrapped up in our own pain, wrapped up in our own heartbreak, wrapped up in our own anger, that it gets difficult to see the people around us, to see about the world that's continuing to happen. We're we're caught up in ourselves, in our pain, in our grief. And so along comes this radical, revolutionary figure, John, this guy who is so revolutionary that he is killed for his preaching. This figure, John, comes along with truly world-shattering, unconventional advice. Are you ready? You've never heard anything like this before in your life. And I guarantee you this will change the world. Be a decent human being. That's John's advice. Be a decent human being. My inclination when this sort of tragedy happens, when the events that we saw last week take place in my world, my inclination is to say, what is the solution? We have to fix this. What is the big change that we need to make in our world that will all of a sudden make it all better? How do we fix it? Dream big. Put everything on the table. Call into question everything. But John calls on us to dream small, to be a Scrooge, to stop trying, at least for a moment, to try and fix the world, and maybe, just maybe, to try changing our own behavior. Stop looking at the world and look at myself, one small thing at a time. One act of love at a time. One word of kindness at a time. One generous thing at a time. As much as I want to. As much as I desperately wish that I could. I cannot bring back those precious children of Newtown. It breaks my heart for families, for the friends, for teachers, for the whole community, for everyone. But nothing I do will bring them back. I can't do it. And and friends, neither can you. I can't control the behavior of any of the 314 million people who live in this country besides one, just one, just me. Dream small, says John. Be a Scrooge, says John. 
Be a decent human being. Bite your tongue when you say, want to say that nasty thing to someone. Give what you can to help those who need it most. Keep your eyes open for those people in your world that need a little bit of extra kindness. Speak gently and with love to the people you interact with throughout the day. Don't be a jerk, says John. Don't be a jerk. Seems like nothing. In the face of such great tragedy, John's advice seems like nothing. Seems powerless. Seems meaningless. A drop in the bucket. But it adds up, friends. It adds up. What John calls us to seems like nothing, but little by little, bit by bit, it adds up. Look up on the altar up there. 30 memorial candles. 30 memorial candles on that altar. And now, those are not big candles. Right? Those are just little votive candles. You sure could use one to light up a room. You could barely, if you tried really hard and your eyes were really good, maybe you could use one to read a book by. Maybe. Alone, they're not much. But when you add it all up, when you add it all up, let me tell you, you go and you stand behind that altar and it's as if you are standing in front of an open oven door. The heat just wafts over you. I like standing down here in the aisle because when I'm standing up there this morning, I am just dripping sweat from the heat coming off of those little tiny candles. Alone, they're just a flicker. Together, they're an inferno. So it is with our behavior, with our lives. A small act of kindness. Paul piles on top of a smile, small act of kindness. An act of generosity piles on top of an act of generosity. Your words of kindness could be the one thing that keeps a depressed child from slipping into oblivion. Your generosity to a stranger could be the one thing that keeps a family from being unable to pay their bills this month. Little things piled on top of little things. They all add up. As we make these changes in the way that we behave from day to day in these little everyday things. The crowds, they came out to see the revolutionary John and he dared them to take the risk to dream small. To look at, not the world, but at their own lives. To look at the things that they did every single day. And through 
those everyday actions through one small thing at a time, one person at a time, to change the world. And as he invited them, he invites us to be a Scrooge, one small act at a time.